I want to talk today. We, I was studying for the Family Matters. Um, I threw it out the window. I felt that God had something special to speak, um, something God has put on my heart, and something I've kind of lived by my whole life, um, even whether I was doing good or bad, and it is protecting the call of God on your life. And um, obviously, I grew up in church. I got kicked out of my parents' house at 17 for drugs, and uh, which kudos to my parents. They did not want to do it. They were both crying, and I was, I was, a, I was a little trooper. I was like, it's okay. I needed to go. You de- I deserve to be kicked out. Um, but I've had, my life is not a normal, you, if you knew me, uh, probably 18, 19 years old, you may not have known that I was a pastor's son, or maybe you would have known by the way that, you know, the stigma on pastor's kids. Um, but I was, I was kind of in a, I was in a dark place. I had, um, I got kicked out. I dropped out of high school sophomore year, and this is not an endorsement. Everybody go to school and don't get kicked out. This is not, I'm not trying to say you can do anything and God will, God will bail you out. But I was, uh, I was actually living in my car for a little bit, going, working at a, at a restaurant, Topla, shout out to Topla, and I was doing the job of a high school girl. I was hosting, so I wasn't even like a waiter. <laughs> Um, but I did quickly become the head um, host. I think it's because I was the only one that wasn't getting hysterical when we got busy. Um, but I was kind of in a bad place, and I was in a bad relationship that I'd been in for years, which was a relationship my parents told me, like, don't do it. Every single member of my family was like, don't do it. And I was like, I can figure this out. And, uh, and so I was actually at a, at a pl- super dark place, just kind of, I had shipwrecked my own faith, basically. I had just kept on pushing the line, pushing the line to where I, I was like, I don't even know what I believe anymore. And uh, I got the opportunity. My parents were like, look, if you, uh, if you want to, we could send you to California. You can go stay at a church there um, just to kind of get away from, you know, all the influences here. And, uh, and so for me, I was like, you know what? I think I was entertaining the thought, and I was like, I think I should... Uh, while I can, because I'm going to give this one last shot. I'm going to see if I can find find God, and uh, and so I pitched it to my then girlfriend, and she freaked out. She was like, "No!" I was like, "It'll be like a week or two weeks. Like, what's the big deal?" And she was like screaming. It was a it was like a scene. And in that moment, it was like everything I was ever taught came back to me in a moment. And it was like, this is not about a relationship, this is about the call of God on your life. And I was, it was like a spiritual thing. I was like, I was just thinking about going, and I mentioned it to her. She freaked out, and I was like, I'm going. Get out of here. I was trying to, I'm trying to have a relationship with God, and you're over here like, well, you're going to leave me. And I was like, okay, you don't care about me. So it was this point where I had to say, like, especially those of you who are single, like, the pursuing your, the call of God on your life is more important than any relationship you can have right now. Because I knew there was a moment. It was like a weird thing where I can kind of step outside and see objectively, and it was like this, and not that, you know, anything is inherently wrong with her, but it was not the right relationship for me. And it was like this relationship will ruin your life. 
And this is, this is the enemy trying to take away the call of God from your life. And so now I have a beautiful wife and a beautiful son. And other stuff happened in between that. But, uh, but for me, I've always had... Um, I've always had that in me, like, I'm going to, whatever God called me to do, I'm going to do that thing. And even if, even when I was in the world, I remember, I remember talking to Chris Perricone, my best friend, and we were not doing good. We were, I'm trying to see how I can put this in front of the youth. We were smoking cigarettes and, uh, and, and we had a conversation. We, uh, we had a conversation. We were like, um, we're not doing good at all at this point, but we were bo- both like, we're going to get it together and we're going to serve God. And uh, one day, because we knew, even then, we knew the most important thing uh, that we can do here is execute the call of God in our life. Um, so for me, uh, protecting the call of God on your life is you, you have to protect that at all costs. There's nothing more important than protecting that one thing. Whatever you do here, no matter what you produce, where you work, you know, like Miguel was saying, no matter how much money you make, how many cars you get, uh, relationships you're in, get this one thing right. Forget the rest of it. Pursue the call of God on your life. Um, one of the first sermons I ever preached was about Samson and Madison. I preached about it Wednesday and I was like, great idea. I'll do that. Um, Samson is the perfect illustration of wasted potential. Um, Something that my dad told, uh, he might have said it on stage, I don't remember. I think he did. But he said a couple months ago, there's nothing more cliche than wasted potential. There's nothing more cliche than watching somebody get on fire for God and then a relationship or they take the wrong job that takes them out of church or whatever. That is the most cliche and tragic thing that you see all of the time. And uh, I mean, I could tell you, I'm not reading scriptures. Just read Judges 14 and uh, if you challenge me, uh, if you want to know about the story of... uh, Samson, but just just know that this is this is one of those things that's dear to me because I'm bringing this word not because like well I just have to say something but I truly believe that this is something we need to refresh ourselves remember that each and every person here has a call of God on their life whether you remember it whether you realize it now is the time and so um, the first thing so Samson y'all kind of know the deal with Samson Samson was. Uh, he was a Nazarite, I believe, and he had certain rules that he had to follow. One of them was don't cut your hair. Everybody knows that one. Another one was don't touch any dead thing. And the third one was uh, don't touch any grape. Don't drink wine. I mean, not even being able to touch any grapes. That's a pretty serious rule. But when God, and for young people, when God tells you to do something that doesn't make sense, there's a purpose behind every single one of those things. So I just want to go over those things real quick. Um, the first thing is not touching any dead thing, which represents leaving those dead things behind, whether it's a relationship, whether it's an old friendship, whatever it is, or if it's just the past, some things you need to let go of, like traumas or whatever. You need to let the past stay in the past. Don't go back to those things. 
which Samson broke that. Um, the sec I'm going to kind of blow through these and get to my final deal. Uh, the second thing is don't eat from or drink from any grapes. This is this represents seeking fruit instead of seeking instead of seeking the one who blessed instead of seeking God the vine Jesus seeking those those blessings like Miguel was talking about earlier seeking money seeking you know well I want I want this and I'm focused hyper focused obsessed with the things you can get from God. Because I don't know if you know this, the whole coming to church and saying, God, what can you give me? Bless me. Bless me, Lord. Uh, let me have the new job. Let me have the new car. Let me get this and get that. Th this is a new thing. This is not, you read the Bible, there's really not much of that going on. This is a new thing. It used to be if you get saved, you're dead within a week. Like that was just the way it worked. And, uh, and so that was, that was the second that was the second kind of toxic thing to be around and for us to seek the blessings instead of the one who blesses. The third thing is don't cut yourself from your covering. Don't cut your hair. Hair represents anointing and it represents covering. And this was the last thing that he could not get away with. I mean, Samson broke all the other rules, was with the pagan woman. He was actually with, he was on his second pagan wife. He was like, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, and pushing it. But the one thing that did him in was whenever he cut himself off from his covering. And so y'all know the story or the part of the story where Samson and Delilah are chilling, and, uh, and Delilah's like, where does your strength come from? And he's like, well, if you tie me up with, you know, whatever, ox rope or whatever, making it up. But uh, he was just making stuff up, and he was messing with her, and then she, he would wake up, and then she, he, was, he would be, sure enough, whatever he said was what was going on. And so you, you're reading this. It's like, have you all ever seen those old horror movies where it's like the, don't, what are you doing? Are you really going, you know, the white girl got drunk and is going out in the woods, and you're like, are you serious? Come on, who would do that? There's like that commercial, the Geico commercial, I think. Where it's like, don't go in the chainsaw shed. <laughs> like, why don't we get in this car? It's like, no. Um, but that's, that's, what the, that's what reading the story of Samson, you can even see it. You're just like, dude, are you serious? Are you kidding me? I can't tell you how many times that it's the same way for us. Whenever I see a young person or even an adult, you're just like, are you kidding me? You're going to leave church now? Like, don't, don't leave the church you're having marriage problems? Like, why are, how are you missing church right now? You need this. All right, don't do this. Don't get in that bad relationship. This is so obvious. It's obvious to everyone around. Like, come on. I mean, and obviously you watch these movies. It's like a funny and you're just like, whatever. But all of heaven is watching. Like, he watches Samson. Heaven is watching us. And it's like, come on. Are you serious? Not at church again. Well, I just don't feel close to God. I don't feel good. You should be in church. This is when you should be there. When times are tough, this is when you need to be there. Um, you know, even if it's like a life group or whatever, drawing close to a leader. Like these are things, these are coverings that God put around us so where we have somewhere to go when things get tough. If you have a Delilah in your life, you can get some good advice. Uh, all, you know, no matter what it is. Like, you need to draw close. Don't cut yourself off from your help. And the fourth point, kind of, but it's not about Samson, is I was reading uh, 
Abraham is probably one of the most inspiring um, people in the entire Bible. I mean, he just is, I mean, he's like the father, like all of our religions, like, you know, Judaism, Christianity, these are called Abrahamic religions, meaning like this is the guy who basically started relationship with God, covenant relationship with God. God made him a promise. God makes us promises like Abraham is the one that did that. Um, Abraham's legacy is one of unrelenting remembrance of his calling. He was a hundred years old before he saw his calling come into fruition. How many people are a hundred years old? So you can wait, you can hang on, you can remember a little while longer. Um, but Abraham was in, in, in my perspective, there is a stark difference between Abraham and Samson. Samson, you could see him as this type of person that is like, I just want to, uh, I want to stay away from my calling. I know I have a calling. I'm the one who's supposed to, uh, supposed to bring Israel out of captivity of the Philistines. But I just kind of want the girlfriend. I just kind of want to live my own life, do my own thing. This is like a classic uh, church kid thing to think and thing to do. And the thought is like, I just don't want to. I don't want to. And Samson is pursuing this. And like any church kid, or, you know, you know myself included, is even though, even though you might not want to be in the fight, Samson's here. He's just trying to have a girlfriend, trying to have a wife and live his life. But he didn't realize there's a battle going on around him. There is this battle. Like, you can, you can like, hide your head in the sand and say, I don't want to fight, but they're coming for you. And so every person here, as soon as you give your life to Jesus, like, it doesn't mean everything's going to be rainbows and everything. Like, God is, I mean, the enemy is coming after you, like, full force all around you, whether you want to participate in the war or not. Neither one of those men were perfect. Both of them had faults. Abraham had a love child with his uh, concubine. So it's, it's not, this is not like who's the most talented, who made the least mistakes or anything like that. This is the difference is who remembered their calling, who violently remembered it. Everywhere Abraham went, he set up an altar every single time to remind God, hey, God, remember that promise you made me. Remember that promise. He'd go somewhere else, set up another altar. Everywhere in life he went, he remembered those promises. And God made promise after promise, even without them coming to fruition. God kept on making bigger and bigger promises. And Abraham is like, okay, okay, all right, I'm setting up, I'm, I'm going to remind you, and I'm going to remind myself. I mean, Samson is this example of someone who, all the talent in the world, who had more talent, I mean, he's the Jewish Hulk. He was literally doing all of these things. He was the most, I mean, he was like picking up gates, like, to guard a city, picking them up and then carrying them out of town. He caught 300 foxes one night. Caught them. Not shot 300 foxes, caught them. And then tired, tied torches to them and set them out in a field. Like this guy, had, he did some pretty incredible things. He had all the potential in the world, all the talent in the world. You read about Abraham. Abraham didn't do any of those things, not even close. Abraham, what he did, his big accomplishment was setting up an altar and be like, I believe you, God. I believe you. Even though I'm going through this land, even though I'm going through Egypt, uh, and I'm giving my wife up, and, you know, God knows what's going on, and then I'm going to the next place, 
and families die and stuff's going on around me. No matter what, he, his, his huge power, his gift was saying, I believe God. And I'm going to remember the promises that God made. And for me, uh, being I've obviously been in this church my whole life. I seeing seeing the expectations for not only yourself but for your children. I feel like we need to do that again. Readjust our expectations. What are the promises God gave us? Just because your kids might not look the way that you wanted them to look. I mean, Abraham's situation. Never. He made the biggest promise. My favorite part is, is that God made the biggest promise of all without delivering on any of the other ones, made the biggest one and said, Abraham, look up to the stars. That's going to be your descendants. And then it says that God saw Abraham, that he believed him. I mean, I just see this picture of God looking at Abraham and being like, wow. Wow. Still, he believes me. And it said he counted, and I feel like that was the moment when things changed. Like just because you have a promise doesn't mean anything. You have to hold on and hold on to that promise, whether it's for yourself or who you want to be for God, whether it's for your children, for your finances, whatever it is, you have to hold on to that word. No matter what's contradicting, because what good is your faith if every time something bad happens, you just like, I'm out. I'm out. Forget about it. I mean, a hundred years, y'all. A hundred years. A lot of people don't live to 100 years. But Abraham kept on believing God. And it said that God saw that he believed, that Abraham believed him, and he counted that as righteousness. That he's like, okay, now I can bless you. Because I don't know if you guys know, the way that God works, God is a just God. God doesn't, God can't bend the rules. God can't break the rules. God can only send his blessing on righteous people. And so God was like, okay, believe me, believe me, believe me. You have so much faith, I can finally do something. I can finally do it. It took 100 years, but you finally have the faith. Now I'm going to credit your account with righteousness. And for us, we have no excuse. Jesus Christ, the perfect man, God made man, was perfect and righteous. He died on the cross so that when God looks at us, he sees righteousness. He sees this righteousness. And for us, we need to use our faith. We need to use our faith to say, you know what? It might not look like it at all right now, but I'm holding on to the calling of God for my life, for my family's life, and I'm seeing it through. I don't care what it looks like right now. Samson is clearly getting whooped and whooped and whooped in this story after he gets his hair cut. He gets his eyes gouged out, and then they got him pressing wheat down at the bottom. And then it says his hair starts to grow back, but that's another, you know, another sermon, another point. But Abraham, you see him. I mean, you just read the story. What a phenomenal man. He just kept going. I mean, God was just like, go, 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 go. In every single season of his life, he was holding on to those things. And I think it's the same way for us. If we remember the call of God on our life, Every time we have an obstacle, it's an opportunity for victory. Every time there's financial hardship, there's a breakthrough. When there's a sick person in our family, it is, um, it is an opportunity for a miracle. If you forget your calling, just bad things just keep happening to you. And you're just like, I don't know why these bad things keep happening. What about your calling? Your calling is, I know what's going to happen after this, so I, need, I know now what I need to do through this. 
And when all the odds are stacked against you, you can say, let's see what God is going to do today. And for me, I know, like this, I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody else. Uh, I actually had the, you know, God convicted me a week ago. And it was like, why are things only, why are you only good whenever things are good? And I was just like, because that's what makes me feel good. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like, and he was just like, you need to hold on to that peace. Hold on to your calling. Because things were bad for Abraham, but he continued and pressed on. And I think for us, like, that is a peace and that's a faith that we all need. It's like, I don't, I, I'm not just going to praise God whenever things are going good. I'm not just going to seek miracles whenever things are going good. Because I feel that we have the tendency to do that. Like, whenever things are hyper-spiritual, things are going good, we're like, yes, let's believe for miracles. Let's go ahead and do it. Things are going great. What about things, when things are bad, that's when you need your faith. Whenever things are, whenever your whole life is a contradiction to your actual calling, that's when you need to, you need to plant your feet and say, God, remember the promises you had for me. I'm not forgetting them. When you forget the calling of God, you and your family are subject to a spiritual beating. And that's just the way it is. You don't know what's going. You're getting pelted from every single direction. And you're just like, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What's happening to us? But if you stand firmly on the promises of God, I think it, it, the call of God, the promise of God, there, there's something that's so special about hearing from God personally. God has a word for you specifically, who you're going to be, what your family's going to look like, you know, what your job situation is going to be. You have to find out what those things are. There's so many people probably in this room that are just aimlessly like, well, I love God and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on, but like, I love God. Obviously, staying under the covering is one of the most important things we can do, but we can't forget the calling and the promise that God has given us. And I know that, you know, maybe you're like, well, Bray, I don't know what the calling or the promise of God all my life is. Well, you better figure it out. I mean, really, if you're, I mean, we only live, you only live once. You have, you're alive for this small amount of time. How are you going to figure out how to work Twitter and how to get more likes on Instagram? How are you going to focus on all of these things? Learn how to do a job. You're going to learn all these things apply all of your energy towards these things, but you're not even going to find out why you're here. You're not even going to find out how God feels about you. You're not even going to find out what God has planned for you. I mean, we have no excuse. And so, I'm going to close with this. If there's anybody here today, just, just understand that there, you do have a calling. Whether it's your first time here, whether you, even if you don't know Jesus, you don't have a personal relationship with him, like, you need to figure it out. I mean, I see a lot of people, there's, you know, I've, I've talked to families before, and it's like their, their goals and their promises set for their kids could not be any lower. It's like, come on. Like, what about your kid, instead of just not being, you know, a fool, what about them being a pastor? What about them being a preacher? What, what, happened? what happened to the church whenever we just were like, well, I just want a porch, I want a fence, and, you know, want a yard? Like, how did, how, did, how did this become Christianity? And like I said, I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody else, but we need to be radical about our calling. Because, I mean, 
I don't care who you are, if you're a young person, old person, if you got some friendships that you need to get rid of, get rid of them. I mean, go hang out with Miss Donna. She'll teach you how to win some souls. If you're young, go hang out with one of these adults. You might look weird. I've, I, said this, I said this earlier, like, I've cut off more friends to protect my calling than most people even have friends. Because it's that important. And you can't help people whenever you're struggling. I mean, how are we going to win the world whenever Christians are just constantly going around the same circle of rehab? Well, I messed up, and now I'm getting back together. I messed up, and getting back together. Oh, what did God say again? I don't know what God said. And we're going around the same mountain over and over again. We need to go further. You can't help your friends. You can't help your friends if you're, saying, if you're just hanging out with them and they're not doing good. You're not doing good. You can't help them. Sometimes you just got to say, well, this is the hardest thing I'm ever going to have to do, but just leave me alone right now. This season of my life, I need to get strong, and I'm going to help you. Whenever I'm done with this, I'm going to help you. Like I said, it is, for me, I don't want to just live a normal Christian life and then find out all of the promises that God had for me, all the people that I was supposed to reach all the people I was supposed to heal, all the situations I was supposed to turn around. It was like, well, I just kind of wanted to be normal. You know, the enemy would love just to make you a non-factor. I mean, how much of the church are just non-factors? Well, things going great for them. They were getting super rich and they're blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but they're non-factors. That's why there's no attacks. There's no attacks because the enemy's like, they got it under control. They're fooling themselves. And so for us, I feel that finding out the calling for each and every one of us, it doesn't have to be big. You don't have to preach. It doesn't have to be anything like that. But set your, set your dreams higher. I mean, every single, in the, every single promise in the Bible is for you. Every single one of them. Now, the people that get it are the ones that call it down, the ones that claim it, the ones that remind themselves and remind God, I want that. I mean, we're not going to have a church that's just like, yeah, we have good music and we clap, and that's just what we do here. This is going to be a church where we say every single promise from God, I want it. I'm super emotional today. Sorry. Because I believe in every single person in this room. I believe in every single person in our youth that we have to set our standards higher. We have to set it higher. Not just the things we don't do, but the things we focus on, the things that we aspire to be. And I believe that now is the time. We're in a very special season. I mean, I could just feel it. I could just feel that miracles are coming. And, uh, and Chris and Beck have played this song for me. It's called Come Alive. And it said, are you waiting on heaven or is heaven waiting on you? Because the Holy Spirit's already in the room. So for me, I'm like, I want that. What happened to that? What happened to that Abraham faith? I mean, it seems like the church in America today is a bunch of Samsons just trying to like, well, God, if you want to bless me, you want to give me these gifts, all this strength, all this talent, I'll love it, and then I'll do my own thing. I'll do my own thing, and I'll die somewhere as a nobody, somebody that didn't do anything for God with all the gifts, with all, of, all the people around you that can encourage you, all of the talent in the world that you could possibly need. Like, like, like everybody said, we live in America what excuse do we have? We have food to eat. You can get a doctor. You can get a job. 
all of these freedoms that other people fought for, what good are these opportunities if we're just like, well, all my blessings are stopping me from, uh, all my blessings are excuses. I got the house, I got the wife, I got the kids, I got too many blessings, I can't really do anything for God. That's what the church in America used to look like. We need to have a church that is like, I don't care if I'm young or if I'm old. I don't care if I'm 100 years old. I'm getting those promises. I'm getting them today for my generations and for my city. So like I said, I'm going to close. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, for, for me, I believe that, you know, you might just think, like, this is just Bray came up with a word and thought he needed to preach it and because he had to come up with something. Um, but I truly do believe it's not, uh, it's not the sermon that I'm preaching. It's the word that God wants to give each and every one of us. We can't have some kind of weenie faith where just when things are good, we believe in miracles. When things are good, we believe, you know, God is doing great things in us. We need that faith that says, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to go pray for somebody. I don't care if they don't get up. I'm going to pray for them again. That's the faith we need. I mean, when did, when did the church turn from soldiers to a bunch of people just like, whoa, the enemy, I'm out. There's a devil, I'm out. I don't want to deal with the devil. I don't want to deal with, I don't want to deal with rejection. I don't want to deal with these things. I just want people to encourage me and tell me how, all the things that God can give me. And then whenever there's some spiritual warfare going on, I'm dipping. I'm out. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about my neighbors around me dying. I'm not concerned about all the sick people that are in the church, around the church, in your family, around your family. We need to be violent Christians. Say, look, it's not because I'm awesome. It's not because I'm great. Abraham was pretty unremarkable. All he had was a promise. That's the foundation that our faith that our religion is founded on, was just like, God made you a promise. Not because you deserve it. Not because you earned it. Not because you're great. Not because you're awesome. Like, why can you heal people? God promised. Why can you raise the dead? God promised. And a lot of people, I've noticed that they get this thing stuck in their head that they have to be perfect. I I have to be perfect. God's going to use me. I have to get things together. And I don't go to church uh, because, uh, you know, I got to get some things together first. It's like the righteousness of Jesus is what God sees. That's the beautiful contradiction of our faith is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your struggles. Your freedom and your grace is through the blood of Jesus. Um, I really should close. Quit while I'm ahead. Um, I just feel we have so much potential, so much, uh, so much talent in this room. I mean, every single one of y'all, I love you. My family loves you. Like, get emotional at the end. We love you, and each one of you has such an amazing calling and what a shame would it be to go to someone's funeral and just be like 
don't miss out on the promises that God has. Don't miss out on who you can be for your family. Who you can be for the people that work around you. I mean, we should be just radiating light in our city, in our state. People should be touched. People should be moved. And it's not, on, it's not burdened on you to make those things happen. You just have to believe. And you have to hold on to those promises. That is the contradiction of the Bible. It's just believe. You are who you think you are. That's the truth. You are who you think you are. You can do what you believe you can do. That's it. That's how this works. We are saved through faith in Jesus. And then God says, like he did with Abraham, I'm going to credit your faith in Jesus as righteousness. Now, whenever you speak, angels move. Whenever you decide with power to speak towards things, mountains go into the sea. Miracles happen. So I hope this was an encouraging word. I hope it wasn't too preachy. I just, you know, like I said, this is for me too. This is God saying, remember those promises. Remember, no matter how you feel, no matter what it looks like. I mean, God believes in us so much. Every single one of you, God believes in you. Do you believe in God? Because you got to put your money where your mouth is at some point. You could be Samson and live an eventful but insignificant life where it's just like, yeah, imagine all the things they could have done. All the things. Or you could be like Abraham and constantly reminding yourself, constantly reminding God. And this is what we have to hold on to. So you can bow your head and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this awesome church, Father. Lord, I thank you that you're opening our eyes, opening our ears, Father. Lord, begin to help us dream again. To dream about the calling that you have on our life, God. Move in us, God. Move through us, Father, to reach our cities, God. Give us higher expectations from ourselves, Father. Help us to see who you've called us to be, Lord. We thank you, and we love you. It's in your name we pray, and everybody said amen. amen. Love you guys. Go Saints.